one of those moments when you just realize that you've been doing something wrong for like a week it's something you've been doing all your life or for a long time and then you just realize one morning that oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that wrong and you can't figure out when you started doing it wrong I had one of those mornings one of those meetings one of those moments this morning when it did something technically that I've been doing for years and like wearing a blue shirt in front of a green screen. That wasn't real bright, was it? <laughs> oh well. I could stop and change, but I'm not going. Let us assume for the moment, just assuming, not prejudicially or anything else, but let us assume for the moment that I am completely wrong about Mr. this guy's name, Kyle Rittenhausen. Rittenhouse? Rittenhouse. Let's just assume that I'm completely wrong. I don't see that I am, but I'm willing to accept that there are counter-arguments to my position on Mr. Rittenhauser, Hausen, which in essence boiled down to he shouldn't have been there. That's my position. All this other stuff is smoke and mirrors. I mean, it really is. It's All this other stuff is just arguing about stuff that really doesn't matter that much. At the end of the day, why was he there is my question. And the answers that I've gotten for that have not filled me with any confidence that there was a justifiable reason. That said, the arguments over what the charges are, what they should be, how they're going to play out have been entertaining to watch at the very least. You could say that well, he's basically the greatest American hero since, what's that guy's name? Kyle Hanlon? Is that the right name? Eh, who knows? The greatest American hero. For those of you that are old enough to remember that, his original name was Hinckley, and then Hinckley shot the president, so they figured they better change it. Anyway, point being that why he was there speaks to motivation in my mind, but be that as it may, the charges, the videos, the counters that have gone back and forth over this have been remarkable to watch. The Philadelphia lawyering has been entertaining, and it's become quite passionate. For the record, I think that he's going to go to jail for a long time. That's my opinion. You probably disagree based on the fact that I seem to be the only conservative in the world that thinks that. Okay, so let's assume that I'm wrong. Not, you know, nothing prejudicial in that. Let's just assume that Dave is wrong and that all the lawyer blogging and all that stuff is right and that Kyle Rittenhouse is not going to jail. In fact, he's going to be acquitted on all charges if it even goes that far. If the uh, attorney generals in Wisconsin... Kenosha and all those places just realize their their huge mistake, throw up their hands and go, oh, it was a mistake. We're gonna we're gonna release him. We're gonna drop the charges. Look, some of the charges that he has been placed under that he has had against him are, in my opinion, overblown. 
again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't even play one on TV. I know a couple, but as a general rule of thumb, I try to keep my legal opinions conservative in the sense, not in political sense, but in the sense of giving the benefit of the doubt to the people who do this for a living. I would expect people who question me about radio or podcast stuff to give me the benefit of the doubt as a professional. That said, um, it does seem to me that some of these charges are overblown, possibly politically. There is a good deal of, is that really necessary? Is that really where we're going with this? But does that even matter? The charges themselves, generally speaking, charges are initially, at least, designed to show that the system is active, that it's been turned on, that that there's a justice problem here, and we need to make sure that we're showing that we address it. And so we flip a switch, we throw some charges, and we kind of see what sticks. We all know how the system is supposed to work, which is that we are innocent until presumed innocent until found guilty, which in the modern era seems more difficult because of video cameras and instantaneous news and that sort of thing. And when you have video of an event such as this, you find that the video really tells you more about the person who's watching it than it does about what actually happened. Think about this. I this is one of the more brilliant things I saw yesterday. The NBA, the NFL, and now for God's sakes, even Major League Baseball, the NHL, even even the Premier League Soccer League all use what they call video replay to determine the outcome of a questionable play. They've spent millions, millions of dollars or pounds upon these systems. They use a dozen cameras. They have slow-mo. They have that 3D enhanced where they can rotate around nonsense. And even with that, even with all of that, how many of those calls do they actually get 100% correct? Hmm? How many? Anybody? Because you know that if you're a football fan or a baseball fan or especially a Norwich City fan, you know that those things are not re- not not a hundred percent reliable. And yet, somehow or another, all of us in this country who have become video judges now have looked at a couple of grainy cell phone videos shot at night. Which, let's face it. Cell phone cameras do not perform well at night, and we all know this. This isn't a mystery to us. This isn't something we don't know. Cell phone cameras suck in the dark. We've all looked at these cameras, these these videos, and gone, well, I know exactly what happened. Well, damn. Maybe the NFL should hire you, because clearly the people they have are idiots. (laughs) No two ways about that. And the Premier League, don't even get me started on that one. Those people are just flat-out morons. The replay officials, that's what I'm talking about. So when we see all this happening, we all have already made up our opinions, 
and you have a nationwide news story such as this, how does that affect our justice system? How does that affect the system that decides whether Carl Rittenhouse is guilty or not guilty of the six, seven charges, the six charges that have been levied against him? See, first degree reckless homicide, use of a dangerous weapon. First degree reckless endangering safety, use of a dangerous weapon. First degree intentional homicide, use of a dangerous weapon. Attempted first degree intentional homicide, use of a dangerous weapon. First degree reckless endangering safety, using a dangerous weapon. And possession of a weapon by a dangerous weapon by a person under the age of 18. Those charges, again, I, I can make case, I can make the case against them as easily as I can make it for them, just based on what I've seen, but I'm not there. I wasn't there, nor am I the jury, nor have I heard all of the evidence. We've seen a 30-second video, and we've made our decisions. But again, let's we're assuming Dave is wrong, and that Kyle Rittenhouse is the greatest American hero of all time. I mean, that's what I'm reading, is that he, he shot a pedophile, something, he shot career criminals, he was defending himself in the greatest American ways, and therefore he is the greatest American hero, and he's going to go free, and there you go. Let's assume that that happens, that the charges are dropped or that he's acquitted, then what? What's the message of that? What, what does the community, and I use that term rather loosely, that is rioting, and I don't use that term loosely, what does that community see that as? What? What is their response to Kyle Rittenhouse being found not guilty or having the charges dropped slash even reduced? This is where part of the problem with our justice system has become manifest through the years. The prosecutors now are so focused on getting a conviction that they're willing to compromise what they say they really believe. If you're a Kenosha prosecutor, do you really believe that Kyle Rittenhouse intentionally committed murder? And if you do, can you prove your case? And if you cannot prove your case, then why did you charge him? Because they're hoping that he will plea down to something like second-degree manslaughter, uh, accidental discharge, something along those lines, so that they can hold it up and go, see, we got a conviction in this case. We got a conviction. We are protecting society from its worst elements. When in fact, what they did was overcharge and then negotiate so that they don't look like morons. Now, the question is whether or not Rittenhouse's lawyers will go for that. We've seen it happen. Hell, in my hometown, we've seen it happen a lot. Um, Modesto, California, we've seen a lot of this. And in fact, the one time we didn't see it, in a recent murder case that just was, look, I, I've said this before. I have no doubt that the guy was guilty. I, I, if you were to ask me if he was just based on what I thought of things, I would have told you he was guilty. But the DA's office completely, utterly, thoroughly foobarred the case because they were so determined to get a conviction that they forgot that you should probably have to be able to prove that in a court. 
what's the message that the rioters, the Antifa folks, whatever you think of them, get if Rittenhouse is acquitted and or the charges are dropped? What's the message they get? Now, you may say to yourself, well, it's a good message, Dave. They get the message that we can defend ourselves against them and we're within our rights to do so. But the optics of this are much different, aren't they? Again, I go back to my question of why a 17-year-old from another state, regardless of where he got the gun, where he worked, all that other stuff, Kenosha, not his hometown. A 17-year-old is, quote-unquote, defending a business against the rioters. Like April 19th of 1775, who fired the first shot? We'll never know. We will never actually know. And the optics of this are that 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 35-year-olds, you 50-year-olds, probably even some 75-year-olds around the nation see this and go, well, is it open season on Antifa? All we got to do is make sure that it's unclear who fired the first shot, right? And the response becomes greater gatherings, violent gatherings in opposition, followed by what? What is, what is Antifa's response to our response to this? Is it an escalation or a de-escalation? Do you really believe that this type of violence is going to solve the problem, whichever side you're on? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that burning, looting, smashing, beating up, attacking, assaulting is going to gain you whatever the hell it is that you say you want? And if you're on our side, I guess, for better phraseology, do you really think that shooting a few guys, a few of these guys in the head is going to make them mm, calm down? Do you really believe that? And if so, why? What evidence can you present to me that <laughs> shooting these guys is going to calm them down? And I know the, I know the argument. I know the counter-argument. Dave, in 1968, the Watts riots were going on. They sent the National Guard in, they shot rioters, and it ended. It's not the same thing, is it? It's not the same thing. You're not dealing with a completely unorganized, completely race-based anger, and you're not dealing with the ability to intimidate people into doing what you want them to do. You're dealing with a movement that, whether you agree with it or not, is reasonably well-organized. Remember what the, the saying was, it's easier to organize a minority than a majority. And not only that, but they are dedicated to their cause, which, by the way, we all agree is not racial justice. It is pure socialism slash communism. We, we understand that. For my entire life, we have fought communism. It didn't go away when the Soviet Union fell. It didn't go away when East Germany reunited with West Germany. The communistic ideal remained. Do you really think that shooting a few commies in the head on the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin, is going to convince them that, oh my God, we better stop? I'm not saying we shouldn't do anything. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is... Does a 17-year-old really need to be there doing that? 
And if I am completely wrong and he doesn't go to jail, if I am completely incorrect and Kyle Rittenhausen becomes the great American hero, particularly to the right, what happens next? That's my question. What happens next? What happens tomorrow? That's what bothers me about all this. Where are we headed with this? Where are we going with this? And where does it all end? Because if it ends with me bunkered in my garage, using my old, my dad's old Mauser rifle to shoot my neighbor in the head, I'm just not sure that's a good thing. I'm not sure that's where I want to go. I don't want to be a communist either, but I think that there are ways to deal with this that don't involve 17-year-old kids being on the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin in the middle of the night. And maybe that makes me wrong, but that's how I feel.